Hey fam, it's Lexi here to welcome you to the You Can Through Christ podcast. I am so honored and excited you're here. I pray these words give you the confidence to know you can do all things through Him. He is for you, loves you, and made you for an exact purpose for this life and the one to come. Stay tuned to find out. Luke 12, 48 says, From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The ability to lead has never been through one's own power. Jesus has taught us to lead confidently yet humbly, to lead truthfully yet stay encouraging. Matthew 20, 26-28 says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. In Luke 22, 24-27, the disciples were fighting about who is the greatest. Jesus replies, saying, The greatest is the one who serves. John 13, 13-17 says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example so that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. When you ask Jesus to genuinely desire to serve, not out of pride that you are better and someone is below you, but for him to create genuine love in your heart for them, Satan will try to tempt us with pride and leadership, but Jesus is our example. Isaiah 66, 2 says, Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord? These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. The best leaders are the ones who tremble at God's word. The creator of the universe desires to be with you as you get into his word daily, and this is where you will find your strength. You find it when you admit your dependency on him. When we are in leadership type positions, it it is very important to stay humble. What exactly is humility and how do we obtain it? After all, God does say in James 1, 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Proverbs 22, 4 says, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Fearing God helps you realize you are not created you are created and you are not the creator. When you are humble, you get peace. Isaiah 2.17 says, The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day and the idols will totally disappear. If we are being honest, we would say that we want to be exalted. It's in your human nature and mine too. What is ironic is when you are exalted, you will not be fulfilled because our very nature is that we are created to exalt God. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. More ironic is when we exalt God, he crowns us with victory. Ezekiel 28.2 says, In the pride of your heart you say, I am a God. I sit in the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God, though you think you are as wise as a God. As an occupational therapist and hand therapist, I have had to help patients bathe at the end of their life. Nothing humbles you more than when you cannot perform your activities of daily living. I have had some raw and real conversations with 
those in this stage, realizing how dependent we really are on God and one another. Everyone has or will come to a point in their life when they will be humbled, realizing we can't do everything on our own. Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of your heart, your heart has deceived you. Talking about Edom against Israel. Matthew 23, 11-12 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you humble yourselves strictly for the desire of wanting to be lifted up, ironically, this is pride. Humility is not self-hatred. It is where you are so focused on Jesus and others so much, it's hard to have time to think about yourself, your problems, and building yourself up. You can learn to become humble, knowing God has justified you, remaining confident in him, further bringing you to serve others. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Proverbs 27.1-2 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you, and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. The key when you lead is to stay confident while staying humble. The world feels a leader should be selfish and use their power to manipulate. They feel it shows their strength. God loves a leader who is courageous through selfless love. Courage does not mean as a leader we have no fear. It means we rely on God with our fears and do not let them stop us from carrying out his purpose. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. There I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul asked God to remove a thorn in his side that Satan has put there. God responded, saying, Not that the thorn would be removed, but that his grace is sufficient even with the thorn. The same holds true for us. I have begged and pleaded with God to remove the thorns in my life, only to realize no matter what I go through and no matter who I have in my life, his grace is sufficient. I am not saying this as someone living in a fairy tale world or having empty hap happiness pretending everything is okay. God meant what he said. We were created for him, and he will not fail his responsibility of being enough for us through the worst of this very difficult life. He will take responsibility for whatever he has called us to. Our shortcomings are not his fault, but he is that powerful, he can still take responsibility for his glory and good to come out of it. His power is made perfect in our weakness. There are many times I have overcome obstacles in my life, knowing very well I was not smart enough or strong enough alone, whether in grad school and sports and relationships, but have still succeeded knowing fully well it's only by the power of Christ. I will boast how I cannot do it on my own, but every accomplishment of my life has been through him. Psalm 44, 6-8 says, I will put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. In God, we make our boast all day long, and we'll praise your name forever. Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value, 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. No help book or person can give you the supernatural power that only comes from Christ to help you lead and stay confident in your life. It starts with your faith expressing itself through love to others and in the attitude of your mind. Malachi 3, 13-14 says, You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements? We are being arrogant when we have the attitude that God owes us when we serve him. We get to serve him. We have the power to say no to sin and yes to him. Leaders focus on objectives, not the obstacles. Preparation is key to being an effective leader. The Bible tells us to plan. Jeremiah 1, 17-19 says, Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified of them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, This is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. To know the way to go as we lead others, we always consult our, le- we always consult our leader first. Ask God. We may not hear an audible voice, but God can if he wants, and he has in his word. But we are guaranteed his guidance through the Holy Spirit in us and the peace he will bring to the direction we go in as we follow his promptings. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Many people change their beliefs based on the situations they are in. We are called to do the opposite. Fully commit yourself to the Lord, regardless of the outcome, and he will establish your plans. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! You may not understand or be able to trace out his plan, but continue to lean into him and he will guide you. You do not have to have the answers to follow his will and plan. God desires to make himself known to us each step of the way. Pray for a clear answer. As a leader, accountability and discipline are key. Discipline is what keeps you going when the adrenaline and the feelings have worn down. Regardless of the circumstances you have in your life, blaming someone else or God is the biggest waste of time and will get you nowhere. All the way back when Adam and Eve took the fall, the first thing they did was blame each other and the devil, and yet everyone still had their consequences. Even if someone else has wronged us, God says we are to take responsibility how we react. 2 Samuel 24, 17 says, When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I am a sinner. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. David was a humble leader, willing to take accountability and bear the consequences of his actions. 
Another reason he is called a man after God's own heart, even through his mistakes as a leader. Daniel 2, 19-23 says, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. God does not desire to stay hidden or secretive in his ways. Yes, he is the almighty God and there is no possible way as humans we can comprehend exactly what he is doing and why. However, if we are desiring direction in our own lives, he says he wants to reveal this counsel and his thoughts to mankind. Amos 4.13 says, He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord Almighty is his name. Proverbs 2.2-7 says, Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. Daniel 2, 27-28 says, Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I love how Daniel always gave glory back to God, understanding even the wisest of the wise did not acquire their wisdom on their own. Daniel 2, 47-48 says, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Daniel was blessed because of his faith in God and trust of his provision of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. God wants to use you, but we need to not just say he can use us, but be completely self-reliant on him with courage in order to overcome our fears. You may feel like you can never lead. You feel you are not good enough, do not talk enough, or don't know enough. The list could go on with all the excuses people make. Moses said he couldn't speak properly. David could have said that he wasn't strong enough, yet God used them to lead in ways that could only be done through him. Romans 2, 21-23 says, You then who teaches others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say people should not commit adultery, do you, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who, who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Matthew 23, 1-3 says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So I say these verses to say, will we ever be perfect? No. Will others look to see what we do when we fail? Absolutely. As leaders, we will sin and fall short. But how do you respond when you sin? This is what makes an effective leader. We should strive to be as much like Jesus as possible, looking to him when we fall short. 
I understand again and want us to understand we're not perfect, but we shouldn't look like someone who doesn't believe. Stay humble and be honest when you've fallen short. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You are not called to fit in. Look at the story of Joseph. He went through trial after trial, and yet God called him to lead in each circumstance he was in. Genesis 39, 2-4 says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When the master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. He was put into leadership, and might I add success in his leadership due to his devout life to the Lord. Also, was Potiphar a man of God? We don't know, but regardless, he was blessed, maybe because of Joseph. God called many in the Bible who are human, just like you and me, and used them in amazing, mighty ways. Abraham lied in Genesis 20, verse 2, when he said his wife is his sister to save himself. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live and wrote Proverbs, yet had hundreds of wives and lost his, and lost his way. So men, having one wife is where it's at. This is proof having multiple women isn't as much fun as it may sound. Then Elijah ran in fear from Queen Jezebel. He wants to use every single individual he has made on this earth when they come to him. You may think you are not adequate enough to lead, but Exodus chapter 4 verse 10 through 12 says, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Oof. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Next time you're nervous to speak, whether you're talking to a group, presenting, or just flat out scared to talk to just another person or individual, remember who gives us our speech in the first place. And even better, he wants to help us with what to say. Pray and ask God to guide your words each day. Go into that day having full confidence that even if you mess up, stutter, say the wrong thing, he will guide He will guide you and use what you say in more ways than you can imagine. Mark 13, 9-13 says, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Even in the midst of persecution, trauma, severe confrontation, or in a circumstance you flat out are just a nervous wreck, the Holy Spirit will guide you with what to say. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, This is what we speak, not in words taught, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The words of wisdom are not from our human understanding, but taught by the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.3-5, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. 
My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Matthew 10, 19-20 says, But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Guys, we don't have to be anxious about our words. No matter what you say or how you say it, if your heart is committed to God, he will use what you have to say and how you say it. The cool thing about God is even if you end up messing up or your words are not what you thought they should be, I can tell you from personal experience, he can still use them in really amazing ways. Psalm 37, 30-31 says, The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts, their feet do not slip. God desires to speak life through you. In 2 Samuel 23, 2-4, David says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The Rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. Isaiah 51, 16 says, I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who say to Zion, you are my people. What more reassurance do we need, right? Acts 6.10 says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Judges 8.23 says, but Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. When in a leadership position, we stay humble, remembering we are only alive and have breath to lead in the first place because of God. Everything is made for Christ and through him, including your roles and purpose in life. 2 Samuel 7, 8-9 says, Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you rule, ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. God also took Amos from tending sheep to being a prophet for Israel. Whatever position, occupation, or role you have in life, we can have confidence God has placed you there for his divine purpose. Do you feel like you are not where you're supposed to be? Or maybe do you have a deep desire to lead, but the opportunity just hasn't come yet? You could be in a season of preparation, like David was when he was a shepherd before God made him king. I wish I would I wish I would not have rushed the seasons of my life to get to the next. Even though I was not supposed to stay in those seasons and continue to progress, when you look back, you see the purpose of those seasons for preparation. Find joy today, understanding and knowing if God can take a small shepherd boy and make him king, there is nothing and no obstacle in your life God will not use or remove in order to have you be where you need to be. 1 Kings 3, 5-15 through 15 says, God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. 
For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal king you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. Of all things Solomon could have asked for, he asked for wisdom. Solomon was able to make this wise request because he realized the relationship David and God had. God loved Solomon's request and heart in this situation so much, he blessed him beyond what he asked for. The key is we cannot ask for wisdom with the hopes of gaining more from God. The point is realizing having his wisdom is enough. Proverbs 28.2 says, But a ruler with discernment and knowledge maintains order. How do you obtain both of these? Getting in the word and asking of the Lord. Talking to others who are wise mentors or talking to others in your field of practice who have knowledge from their treatments or experiences. Second Chronicles 1.1 says, Solomon, son of David, David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. 1 Kings 10.23-24 says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Even though Solomon was now the wisest man to ever be, his wisdom is still from the Lord, who is willing to give it to you if you ask. 1 Kings 11, 1-4 says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had seven hundred wives of royal birth and three hundred concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. Even though Solomon asked for wisdom, we can learn from his mistake of straying from the Lord due to many women. They literally had to have drove him crazy. <laughs> Political affairs and marrying with those who did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. 1 Kings 11, 9-12 says, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. There was punishment when Solomon's heart was not serving wholeheartedly. The difference is not that his father David had been perfect. He made his mistakes too, but David repented back to the Lord, where even though the Lord appeared to Solomon, he did not repent. First Chronicles 11.9 says, And David became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. David was able to lead because God was with him. 
First Chronicles 29, 10-13 says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Second Chronicles 17, 3-6 says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat, so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. Second Chronicles 18.4 says, But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. Ezra 7.6 says, Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king granted him everything he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. To be a good leader, we need to be well-versed in the scriptures and seeking God's counsel. We cannot just know the scripture, we have to do what it says, but how can we do what it says if we don't know it, right? How can we guide others when the scriptures, being very God himself, is the guidance and purpose of our lives? Being trustworthy and having integrity are qualities needed and sought after in a leader. Nehemiah 13.13 says, Because they were considered trustworthy, they were made responsible. Psalm 78.72 says, David shepherd, shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. Integrity of heart means your heart does not change depending on who you are around or if you are with others or alone. We create an integrity of heart knowing God always sees our heart and we should have the same character and values. This does not mean we cannot ever be different with different people. I am going to act different in a professional environment and goofier when I'm with my friends, but your overall character should remain the same. Proverbs 10.9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Psalm 41.12 says, Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Integrity is of high value to God and should be to us. With integrity comes faithfulness to those in our lives. Proverbs 3.3-4 says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Jeremiah 15.19 says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. Zechariah 3, 6-7 says, The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says, If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Walk in obedience to the Lord and keep his requirements, and by doing this you will be able to lead the way he intends you to. Acts 14 11 through 15 says, When the crowd saw that Paul had saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. 
Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Acts 10, 25-26 says, As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Even though I am sharing this knowledge and insight with you throughout this book, just like Peter, Paul, and, and Barnabas, I am just pointing you to the direction and the guidance I need myself. I prayed for Jesus to guide my words to share from his word what he wanted me to share with you. Any wisdom you're getting from me is just from him. Romans 15, 14 says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. It is good to realize our sin and filth before Christ. But once we have Christ, we can have confidence he alone has made us good. And with this goodness overflows in us the knowledge and competency to help others. I at first hesitated to record this podcast and write a book or my blog or my website because I thought I mess up all the time. Who am I to instruct others of their purpose and how to live? Then I realized I can have confidence to lead and instruct because the word of God, which we can be confident in how we share it through the Holy Spirit. God uses us as people for his communication all the time and can use our instruction not to act not to act above anyone but to encourage one another as the salt and light of the earth proverbs 16:23 says the hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction luke 6:39 through 40 says he also told them this parable can the blind lead the blind will they not both fall into a pit the student is not above the teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul says to follow his example, imitate him, and as he follows the example of Christ. It always goes back to trying to be more like Jesus, not like others. I caution you, if you have someone you look up to, not to idolize them because they will let you down. There is nothing wrong with looking up to others as a goal for ourselves, such as an athlete who may have taken the path we hope to take. For me, I look up to many of the occupational therapists and surgeons I work with and for as a goal of mine to obtain, or as a mentor or a pastor who can guide us. But if you use this individual to make all of your life choices instead of Christ, you will be misguided. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. When Jesus and the leader, when Jesus and the leaders he has given as examples in the Bible become who we desire to lead like, he will fulfill your purpose of the leader he designed you to be. Philippians 4.9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. 2 Corinthians 13.10 says, this is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in use of 
in my use of authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. We need to use our leadership positions to build others up and encourage them, which also comes with tough love and uncomfortable conversations at times. But when the motive of your heart is in the right place, your tough love, critiques, constructive criticism, and uncomfortable conversations will end up benefiting them even when they don't see it at first. It will be worth it for you and for them. Ephesians 4, 11-13 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God has equipped each of us for everything we need to provide service for him and for others in order to build one another up. The entire point of being a leader is to help others discover their gifts and encourage them to use them at their fullest. Hebrews 13, 20-21 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Through Jesus, we are fully equipped. We lack nothing. We no longer have an excuse to not pursue whatever it is God has put on our hearts. If you if you do fail, let's say you don't pass that board's exam. You failed at that relationship. You didn't make the team. It doesn't mean that God does not want you to try again as he can use the failure to equip you or he may be taking you into a different direction. 2 Timothy 4, 1-5 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. We can, we can correct while still being encouraging. It takes practice, but it's a great skill to pray for. 2 Corinthians 7, 3-4 says, I do not say this to condemn you. I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we should live or die with you. I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. So not to shame, but to warn out of love. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. How do we become mature in faith? It is not by how old we are or how much time goes by, but how acquainted we are with the teachings of the word about righteousness and how we put them into practice. Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, 
not lacking again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Spiritual maturity is not automatic. It takes effort, but just like the school you wanted to go to, the sport you wanted to play, or the job you wanted to obtain, the effort is so worth it. The difference is this relationship is growth with Jesus, and it's beyond any of these passions. It is one for eternity and the very essence of why we exist. So what better to, or what more or what better could we put our effort into? The crazy thing is once you realize you are all in for Jesus, the effort becomes more natural because he gives you the strength as you lean in closer to him, obeying, praying, and sharing with others the hope you have found. He will guide you to the timing and confidence you need to be the leader he already prepared in advance for you to be. 1 Peter 2, 1-3 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I have had a relationship with Jesus since I have been little, but my relationship has deepened and has matured as you keep walking out in faith, or in other words, tasting to see that he is good. He always will come through and prove faithful in your position of leadership, your preparation to leadership, and in your life. Thanks for hanging out with us. For more, go to youcanthroughchrist.com. You are loved.